Hey friends, I'm Lauren. And I'm Katie, and welcome to Okay, But Did You Know? A podcast where we talk about the TV and media that we love with a friend who's never seen it before. Today we're recapping and chatting about Once Upon a Time, episode 103, Snow Falls. This episode aired on November 6th, 2011, and it was directed by Dean White and written by Liz Tegelar, I think is how you say her name. I'm not certain if that's correct. Uh, Dean White, I love him. He only directs, I think, in the first season, but he's directed some of my favorite episodes. Oh, okay. This is what I mean when I say I track these things. I find commonalities. I'm sitting here like I, with my own episode, like with my side of things. I'm just like, these were in 2011. I yeah. don't have the same information. <laughs> All right. Before we get into the chat, let's go over a little bit of a synopsis for the episode. So in Fairytale Land, Prince James is traveling with his fiance to their new home when his carriage is ambushed by a bandit who steals his jewels, primarily a ring that belonged to his mother. The bandit is none other than the escaped criminal Snow White. When James tracks her down, he forces her to get back that which she stole or else he'll turn her over to the evil queen. Together, they fight Black Knights and Trolls, getting Snow the money she needs for safe passage out of the kingdom, and the ring for James that means so much to him. But the two leave their adventure with a little more than they bargained for. And in Storybrooke, Emma is officially moving to Storybrooke. When on a trip to the hospital, where Mary Margaret volunteers, Henry sees a John Doe patient who's been in a coma for as long as she can remember. Convinced that this patient is really Prince Charming, he thinks his teacher is the key to waking him up. Emma sees this as an opportunity to show him that his fantasy is not real and encourages her to go along with his plan, knowing that it will fail. Or so she thought. For a moment, the patient wakes up enough to grab her hand. When they check on him in the morning, he's woken up and wandered out into the woods in the night. Mary Margaret, Emma, and Graham manage to track him down and bring him back, where Regina has suspiciously located not only his identity, but his wife. Because not having someone... Well, that's the worst curse imaginable. Alrighty. So what do we think? So the first, um, my first note I feel is kind of perfect for an opener. It just says immediately, who is this bitch? <laughs> first thought, who the fuck is this? I realize they don't actually say her name in this episode. No. Her name, I mean, we know her name in Storybrooke is Catherine. We get that at the end. Um, You'll find out who like who she, uh, who she is is not a spoiler. Her she's Princess Abigail. Um, she is Midas's daughter, so King Midas. She's mm-hmm. Midas's daughter. I won't tell you how she comes into play. We will see that later. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's not actually. Like, I don't think they say her name at all. She's just the nag with the bad attitude. Okay, that's another one of my um, <laughs> another one of my notes. Ha ha ha! The nag is an amazing. It's an amazing line. Um, <laughs> so. Line. It's a great scene. Um, but so Abigail, Catherine, what have you, uh, she's played by Anastasia Griffith. Um, she uh, is an American uh, American actor. Uh, she's done a lot of character work. You know, she's done like guest spots outside of Once Upon a Time. She's done like guest roles on Law and Order SVU, uh, Royal Pains, and The Blacklist. Um, and okay. she's uh, she apparently has an art history degree from Bristol University in the UK. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. So we we see her on and off. She's a recurring character throughout season one and I think season two. I think. Uh, I should I should look that up. <laughs> I, I have this. I, I enjoyed this episode. Okay. But this was one of those ones where I'm just like, something's not right. Yeah. Something's annoying me. Okay. And I 
it's probably continuity, which you said you've you've warned me there's continuity I, errors with a lot. Yeah. And I think that's what it is for me. I'm like mm-hmm. side eye. This one hints at a lot of things um that we can't talk about yet. Like it's just like it hints at a few things. Um, especially with Snow's uh, bit of uh, the queen blames me for ruining her life. And uh, mm-hmm. David goes, did you? I real- I'm i calling him David. He's got 15 names. I'll go over that in a minute. Jose, he has so many names. Charming. I'll just call him Charming for right now. Charming says, did you? And she just goes, yes. So this is our mm-hmm. first inkling, or I guess our next inkling into what may have happened between the two of them. Yeah. Cause, because that's the basis for everything of like why yeah. there's even a curse is what the hell did Snow do to the queen? Exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll find out eventually there. Eventually. We find out, we, we find out eventually um, this one, the continuity behind it actually is not as, not, not as sound as it should be because the timing of if, cause, cause I am the once upon a time timeline queen. I make sense right. out of chaos um, beyond just knowing entire scenes. I also have spent quite a bit of time trying to suss out the timeline for the show. Um, so the timing of snow saying that she ruined, um, ruined Regina's life. Technically this falls before she actually knows exactly what happened. But she's not an idiot. She knows that she did something that ruined Regina's life. She's just not entirely certain, I think, what it exactly was. Okay, that's funny. Because it's just like, I did something. I don't know what I did, but I did it. Yeah, she knows that her <laughs> act- she knows that her actions led to Regina's unhappiness. But she's not mm-hmm. exactly... She doesn't know the exact details yet. Okay, well, I want the details. <laughs> well, you'll find. We'll we'll all I'm ready get the, for detail. the details. To be fair, you will learn the details technically before Snow learns the details. Technically, oh, the flashback where she learns comes after the flashback where we learn. Ooh, okay. I'm excited. That's the, me too. I'm ex- I'm excited for that for you to watch that episode because as soon as you see what it, like you see the title or just what it's about, you're going to know that this is the episode. Well, now I want to watch more. See, this is the problem. I just keep wanting to watch more. And I'm like, we're doing this once a week. I know, with one episode a week. And like, well, this this is, I think this is the best way to take in the show is because you kind of get the time to kind of take everything in and kind of process everything we're learning. Mm -hmm. And then you get to discuss, like, of course, all of your thoughts. And so you're not. Exactly. And you you have me to help you through it. (laughs) And I love it. We, you mentioned, you know, everything when it comes to all of his names. He has a million names. I actually wrote so in my names. notes that I really love that they started making charming, like an endearing term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, than his actual name. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep calling him charming because there's too many names. I will be honest. Calling him charming is going to be the easiest way to keep track of things. Like, um, that's what's sad. But at the same yeah. time, I do enjoy that Snow started, like, treating it more of, like, an endearing term, not yeah. something... It's- I mean, I loved that scene. The scene where she, I love that scene where she, we see where Charming gets his name. It's one of the ones that I have entirely memorized. You'll enjoy my other note then, though, because like when Snow is caught by Charming Mm -hmm. in the 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 thing, I just went, is this foreplay? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't, I I almost wrote down kinky and then I didn't. Which you is, should have. Which is really oh, unfortunate. Just really unfortunate. Um, but that's just this is. I mean, <laughs> it's just such a it's such a good scene, and I, I I'm gonna recite it for you now because I can. It's just too good. I told you I would find you, no matter what you do. 
I will always find you. Is this the only way you can catch a woman? By entrapping her? It's the only way to catch thieving scum. <laughs> Aren't you a real prince, Charming? I have a name, you know. Don't care. Charming suits you. Now cut me down, Charming. I'll release you when you return the leather pouch you stole with my jewels. Not the jewelry type. Mm, indeed. I noticed. What is that supposed to mean? Are you insulting me? Ah, oh, quite right. My apologies. How dare I cast aspersions at the person who robbed me? Where are my jewels? I sold them. What? What do you care? Don't you have a palace full of treasure somewhere? These were special. Among them was a ring that belonged to my mother. A ring I was about to give. The nag with the bad attitude? That's what this is about? She's my fiance. Good luck with that. You must be getting something impressive to have agreed to that union. Excuse me? I know how this works. True love? It doesn't exist. It's all arranged marriages and business transactions. There's no such thing as love at first sight or first kiss. <laughs> what is my brain? I just need everyone's I just need everyone to understand that you just did that from memory. That there is enough there are you don't have the script in front of you. I do I not have the script. Be, I will forever be impressed by this. But I think the moment I wrote down is this foreplay when he was like, where's my pouch of jewels? I'm like, you're not getting those back. <laughs> Where are my jewels? It's just, the, it's the deadpan of she's my fiance. That's what it is for me. Yeah. It's, the, it's the deadpan of she's my fiance. That whole moment, that, I think that was my favorite scene in mm-hmm. the entire episode was yeah. just that. It's such and a good I scene. I loved it. It's so I good. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I, I love... That we see how Charming gets his name, that it starts as this kind of like teasing thing and it just becomes mm-hmm. such a term of endearment for them. It's this, this is one of the first flashbacks, I would say, where we're like actually seeing a shift in the fairy tale versus a sequel kind of. Because yeah. the first one is, the first one is more so showing us what happens after Happily Ever After. And then mm-hmm. episode two is showing us a little bit more context of what's going on um, after that. But now we're really seeing the beginning and this is a complete departure from anything anyone's ever seen before. Of yeah. Snow White as a bandit and like all and like doing all this and the adventuring together. And it's just it's such a good way to show how different their these characters are from the versions that we know. I'm I'm gonna not go on my tangent about how he's not Prince Charming in the original fairy tales. We're going to ignore that. That's um, fine. <laughs> I, I can go on a tangent about that. But um it's just it's this reinvention of the fairy tales in such a more modern way while not demonizing the original qualities is really interesting to see Um, because something that I've said a lot about uh, about their story is Snow and Charming's story at its core is predominantly one of a romance like basically Mm -hmm. their story is the two of them coming together and how that happens and they get separated and they come back together their whole thing is I will always find you I am taking a counter of how many times we hear that so far in this episode it was three I'm sure we'll hear it more. We will definitely hear it more. And I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll keep tally. Um, I'm going to try to at least. Um, but like their story is predominantly a romance and their story arc at some point in the show does kind of come to a natural conclusion when they're together for good. Not to say they don't have their issues, but eventually like because their arc of coming together mm-hmm. ends, they do kind of go a little bit like on the back like not, not on the back burner it's kind of a bad way of phrasing it they kind of step aside a little bit different struggles for when you actually have like a couple together. exactly because the struggles of like starting to date or finding someone to love are completely different mm-hmm. from when you're like in an established relationship yeah 
So once their relationship kind of solidifies a little bit more and like they're together for good without any kind of major separation, their story kind of steps to the side a little bit in favor of other stories. That's for, that's a few seasons in the future, but that's one thing. Their story is, like I said, their story is predominantly a romance, but not to the detriment of Snow being a complete badass. Well, because I feel like people forget you can have romances without it being a detriment to a character, so to speak. Yeah. It's, that's the thing that like uh, that we were talking about before that I've kind of yeah. seen. I saw a video on TikTok today about that uh, was referencing Rachel Zegler's interview about the new live action Snow White, where she says that like the Snow White isn't looking for true love; she's looking to be a leader and to kind of do that. And like, you can. That's why I love about Once Upon a Time's portrayal. They showed you can have both. Mm-hmm. Like Snow White, her story is predominantly a romance when it's around charming, but her her character and her story is about that leadership she's proof you can have leadership and true love it's not i don't view it as modern to basically just have them be only focused on being like the best leader and the best person they can be which is great but it does a disservice to the original stories and what they provided i feel like it kind of like being a feminist and wanting to have strong female leads but also wanting a love story can be very hard to attain Mm -hmm. because you only tend to get one or the other yeah which is why i'm a reader (laughs) i can have both in my books exactly i love that Mm -hmm. but then we we have a lot of our media where you're just kind of like i i would love to see this badass character be a leader i'd love to see them fall in love but then it never seems to work out yeah because the other thing's more important i'm like you can have both though you can you can have both and i'd like to have both Mm-hmm. Give it to me. Yeah. But that maybe that's just me being my chaotic bisexual self that's like, give me both. Possibly. But then I think I think you're really gonna like Snow's arc because she finds a really a really good balance of those two things. Is she I appreciate that. She does not let true love get in the way of being the leader she was destined to be. And Charming is he, I mean, he's he's got bi wife energy, but he kind of like for the most part, like he tends to he tends to let her take the lead on things we'll see kind of more as their relationship grows and they do come together in the case of like the leadership and everything that they do he's aware she is the leader he he is her support um she he is her emotional support himbo um i love that and i love it i love his character about that and like that does frustrate some people when because they're used to seeing the men kind of taking the lead mm-hmm. but like the way that i i, I like to equate it is he was Kristoff before Kristoff existed Oh, I love that. Because Kristoff's thing of my love is not fragile. Yes. Is exactly Sorry, I, charming. I'm a mom. So like, I remember seeing that when it first came out and I was, I think I like cheered at my TV because I was like, yes, finally <laughs> we have this happening. Mm-hmm. Like that is exactly charming. Is his love is not fragile. He is okay letting her take the lead and being her support when she needs it. And I love that. And I, we need more of that. We need mm-hmm. more of this representation i guess is a word for it we, yeah. we need more of that for like our younger people it's not just the fact that we want girls to be able to have princesses that they can look up to that are leaders mm-hmm. it makes me think of the song that was added to the live action aladdin mm-hmm. um the song she sings yep very much like trying to pull like jasmine's not just a princess like, I feel like we need more of that, but also for young men and mm-hmm. young male presenting, or I don't know how to word that. How do you word that? Young male presenting kids? M- young male presenting kids 
need that example too of like I can love somebody but not have to take care of everything for them and give them the space to do it themselves yeah, yeah exactly but we don't get to see that very often no we don't Josh Dallas can be the leader that these kids need I love that I love this man so much like just very interesting hearing from you <laughs> He's just, he's, I mean, he, he's, he's my emotional support himbo, even though I'm sure he's very smart. Um, he's so Josh, because Do- actually it didn't really occur to me until I started watching this. He's not actually in the second episode at all. He's not. We don't see him because he's not, I mean, Snow's not in the flashbacks and he, they don't go to the hospital at any point because he's still in the coma until halfway through this episode. So he's not in episode two at all. So this is the beginning. Well, because also to be fair, he was also, remember, he was supposed to die in the pilot, so... Oh yeah, it's one of my notes. I went, yay, he's not dead. He's not dead, just coma. <laughs> just a good little coma. It's a tiny coma, it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I think that one broke me. Just a tiny coma. Just a little one, it's fine. Just a little one for 28 years, it's fine. My eyes are watering after that one. That one was wonderful. Thank you. I'll <laughs> be here all night. I'll be here all night. So this is the resurgence of uh, of Josh Dallas coming back in. He's in most episodes that he's credited in. I think I, I no, I have I, not. I think I don't have it next to me. I have done the math. Um, he's only in a few less episodes that he's actually credited in than uh, Jennifer Goodwin. I did the oh, math wow. like months ago on who's the most heavily featured actor by like taking like their total episodes like that they're credited in and subtracting like their credit only because I got bored one day. I'm bored. Let's look at data. <laughs> this shocks no one. That is Lauren. <laughs> Entirely. Let's make a spreadsheet. We just say we just say spreadsheets three times anytime we're like in a group call or a, or a live just to see if we can summon you. And it usually works. It does tend to work. <laughs> I shouldn't call Josh my emotional sport himbo. He is actually very smart. Uh, at 16, <laughs> he received a full ride scholarship to attend drama school in the UK. That is only that is given wow. to. I think one American student every three years. Um, so he is very smart and very three good at what he years? does. Three It's like one every three years. Wow. Um, so he is very smart, very good at what he does. So he went to drama school in the UK. He's performed with the Royal Shakespeare Company, the Royal National Theater, and many, many prestigious theater companies in the UK. Um, You're dropping things that I'm like, oh, wow. I cannot call him my emotional support himbo. He is very smart. <laughs> In addition to charming, one of his main one of his main roles that people would know him from, uh, he's most notable known for most notably, I should say, known for uh, the character of Ben Stone in Manifest that he was on after Once Upon a Time. I haven't seen it. I've only seen the half of the first season because um, this is a thing for me that I have issues with when shows are filmed in locations that I are, are set in locations that I know very well, but they're not filmed there. It mm-hmm. gets far too disorienting for me, and because it's mm-hmm. set in New York City. And like the lower New York state area, um, they mentioned towns or they mentioned like the, one time they literally mentioned my exit off the highway. I don't know why they got that specific, but oh, wow. they mentioned like going left off this exit and then they're in farmland. I'm like, that's a state park. No. Um, <laughs> so like, there, I, couldn't... It's, I get that because there's like movies I've watched uh, and a lot of movies take place in Georgia. We have a mm-hmm. huge huge yeah. deal with like georgia's like i think the top third i think where so, shows yeah. and movies are now record like where they actually produce a lot of movies yeah last time we were in atlanta we actually saw them building like new lots mm-hmm. oh, specifically wow. to start doing more 
but quite a quite a few things have been filmed in like Savannah and I grew up going to Savannah constantly mm-hmm. I know River Street pro- practically like the back of my hand and there's been movies where they're like filming something and they're and you're on River Street and you're seeing like these they have these really little like really steep steps that you'd never actually want to try and walk down they're so mm-hmm. steep you you could die and they actually have warnings they're like warning watch your step like this is really steep mm-hmm. and there's scenes in movies and shows where they're showing these areas but then like the rest of the show or the movie they're off somewhere else that's supposed mm-hmm. to be savannah and i'm like yeah where that's are not, you that's not what that looks like that's not what that looks like at all where are you so it's very interesting when you have like location stuff like that yeah. which i always think is funny for manifest actually i could have been an extra in the pilot um I was busy that day because um, the pilot, well, because oh, it's, no. it's, it's about a plane that, that you know, goes, gets lost. Um, one of the few times they filmed at the location that they said they were going to the, the plane that lands at Stewart airport, which is not very far from yeah. me. Um, and they did a wide call basically just to locals within like a 30 mile radius. Like, are you free this day? Please come. We need a lot of people. But I wasn't free that day. I was working. So there's the goal. There's the goal. We just end up extras one day. That's, that's the goal. So unfortunately, I did not get to share the screen with Josh Dallas, but he spent many, many months not too far from me. Um, That's actually really cool. I know. So you think it's cool where I work a lot of stuff films. It gets annoying mm-hmm. really quickly. The last Clint Eastwood movie was filmed in Augusta. Oh, okay. Like one of the bar that my husband and I actually met at had to be like closed down because it's it's in a basement. Uh, with an out it's an outside access so it stares down into it mm-hmm. but there's a bank above it okay and they were using that street and i think that bank and so like the the bar actually had to be shut down for the day and no no one could come because they were using everything and oh, i've wow. watched as like they've used augusta for like a lot of things it's really cool seeing it yeah but then you're like all right i saw it it's yeah it's like i just, I just want to get where i'm going now now it's just kind of getting in the way yeah Maybe that's how people feel in LA all the time. Probably. Outside of uh, Manifest, he's also, uh, he was Fandral in the first Thor movie. No. Yeah. The, with the goatee. Really? Wait a minute. Are you serious? That's Josh Dallas. He is not Fandral in the second one because I believe it was conflicting with filming of season three of Once Upon a Time. So it's he's recast as Zachary Levi in the second movie in uh, Dark World, but he is Fandral in the first one. I have to say, even though I'm like, I love my husband and I lean towards liking women a little bit more because mm-hmm. bisexuality doesn't mean 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, I find this man attractive, which is rare for me to say. He, he is attractive. <laughs> I find very few men attractive. <laughs> I love that, though, because the Thor movies, apart from the Marvels and like Captain Marvel, are my favorite. Mm-hmm. I can't help it. I'm Norse pagan. Like we love yeah. we love all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did not know that, and now knowing it, I'm like, I have to go back and watch Thor now. But, but oh no, I have to watch Thor again. What am oh, I ever no. gonna do? Oh no, darn! I wish I'd put my Thor Love and Thunder shirt on. <laughs> so I have one more tidbit of his from his IMDb. Um, I was gonna say of his Ooh. notable works. It's not really a notable work. It's literally I checked today. It's a whopping thirty seconds, but it's still fine. He's in an episode of Doctor Who. No. He is one of the nodes, like one of the statues in Silence in the Library. No! 
He is node two. He's the one basically that says he's the one I know. He is the node that basically gives us the piece of information that the nodes are donated faces. He says that like the face was donated upon the person's death and it was selected based on preference where Donna just goes, it picked a dead person's face it thought I'd like. <laughs> That's Judge Dallas. I'm just so happy that we're both like, he was in Doctor Who. That's like the geekiest thing. <laughs> he's in one episode of Doctor Who one for like episode. 30 seconds. <laughs> But that's amazing because then you get to say I was in Doctor Who. Exactly. So the I like what I like in this episode. Not to bring us back off of that massive tangent. I like that, that like I said, with the flashbacks this time, it's really more like the reinvention of the fairy tale. But this is also one of the first times that the flashback is actually really directly correlating to what's going on mm-hmm. in the main storyline because we see Snow and Charming finding each other, and we in in the Enchanted Forest, and we see Mary Margaret and John Doe. I think it kept me more like into watching it doing that though. Yeah, I I feel like it makes for a better episode Mm -hmm. doing so. I agree. We'll see more of that going forward. Where like the flashbacks, season one is a little more episodic than other seasons. Where like the it almost seems kind of like yeah, it almost feels like we're kind of doing like one contained like one contained episode that kind of fits into the grand scheme of things versus like seasons two on are more cohesive plots kind of thing. Going Mm -hmm. each episode kind of correlates to each other. Um, but we do see more of like the flashbacks having more context within what's going on with the uh, with the fairy tale. So I with the uh, with Storybrooke. So I do like the the show's use of the, my thing with their use of true love. And I do I get her, you know, giving him the mouth to mouth. That was absolutely a makeout session. Um, yeah. And she oh, finds yeah. it when she finds him. Got to take your chance. You got to take a chance. Exactly. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. It's the kiss of life. She, what She doesn't know she's going to get another one. This is true. <laughs> but what I like, what, what I like and don't like is that the show's use of true love for the most part is there's always a spark of it mm-hmm. in the first meeting. It's usually through some kind of trauma bonding. Like that's what we got here was through the adventures of defeating the trolls. True love was born. So what did you think about her reading the story and that pr- temporarily waking him up? I thought it was wonderful. My favorite little scene with that was when Emma goes to the the diner and sits down with the both Mm -hmm. of them and Uh Henry and Snow. I'm saying Snow, but I know that's not her name. You can interchange them. It's fine. You can interchange them. Snow sitting there. And of course, Henry is just like, they're, they're of course asking her, well, did it work? And she's like, he woke up. Yeah. And Henry's like, fuck yeah, I was right. (laughs) And Emma's like, what the? Nope. Stop. Everybody stop. We're going to take a breath. Mm-hmm. And I just really, really loved how Snow looks at Henry and goes, yeah, let's do this. And they're just gone. She's good. She's good to go. <laughs> I love that moment because Henry's like, fuck yeah, Aljure. And I wrote down, yes, Henry, I believe you. Fuck that curse. <laughs> well, I wrote, I hadn't noticed this um, at the very beginning of that scene when uh, Emma asks Henry, where does your mom think you are? And he says, whack-a-mole. And she goes, and she bought that. And he went, she wants to believe it, so she does. Oh, imagine that. I never caught that. And I've watched this episode tens of times. Like, alluding back, alluding back to, like, the just because you believe something doesn't make it true. Like, I, I've never caught that before. And I'm like, I love that. The Henry scenes are cute, but I have children. So for me, it's like I that kids act the way that they do. Mm-hmm. There hasn't, thankfully, been a moment that I just want to feel like I want to slap the kid. But Okay, that's good. Those happen even in reality, so... Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I didn't write it down, weirdly enough. The thing, it's definitely not appropriate to be meeting a child, one of your students, for breakfast outside no, of school hours. Really. It doesn't matter who the kid is or how small the town is, which even to be fair, if it's a small town, it's even less okay. We're definitely seeing some interesting things that are like, I don't think that works that way. I think every episode we've had, that doesn't, that's not how that works. Yeah, that's not how that works. Um, but, but yeah. But uh, okay. My last note that I wrote uh, was more of my own rambling because okay. of the continuity. <laughs> my notes are all my own rambling. <laughs> and I wrote, I'm so annoyed that they're all stuck in this town. They would have run a John Doe story in the paper mm-hmm. with description and a picture. Catherine would have seen that. It should have shouldn't have taken so long for her to find her husband. And it's bugging me because I'm just like, yeah. Regina said she found him, which Regina knows about the curse. I, or, like, I just yeah. know. Okay. She fucking knows. That's okay. my prediction. I'm not telling you. No, I know. <laughs> I want to know if I'm right, but I have to wait. It you is do have torture. To I'm sorry. But how like it, it bugs me. I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but when there's like a John Doe situation, it's such a small town. Yeah. It's such a small hospital. A Jane Do- a John Doe, not Jane Doe, a John Doe popping up. That's gonna be run like front page of their little paper. Mm-hmm. How does Catherine not know if she lives in Storybook? It's, it's a thing, it's you know, it's an effect of the curse. This is something that I always usually advise people is the more you think about certain things that you would put real world logic onto especially while the curse is going the less it makes sense like yes there's no real world logic with this <laughs> like you have to suspend your disbelief in the Storbrook arcs as much as you do for the fantasy okay. because to be fair there's a fantasy element to it right like whether the whether the curse is real or not everything is kind of as it was for as long as anyone can remember that's the kind of the through line that we see with that so i agree that yeah because that's what that's what snow said about regina being um mayor for as yeah. long as i can remember she's been mayor yeah or he's been in a coma for as long as she's been volunteering like it's just that's that's the case that we so um, they all kind of just popped into these places with like mm-hmm. almost no memory pretty much like they, their me- their memories go as far as necessary for the most part oh wow that's kind of that's kind of what it's a i've good curse it's a good curse it's a good curse it's a good curse <laughs> my main continuity thing with this um is it was breakfast when they met up and then when they go looking for john doe it's nighttime how long were they in that hospital looking at the wrong security tape it's dark out by the time we see emma graham were they and at the hospital Margaret, all day i mean that's what it's insinuating if they met for breakfast at the diner and they immediately or- went to the hospital because also like Dr. Whale says, like, you know, you got to get him back soon or else, like, okay might be a pipe dream. This is the thing that that I think might be the directorial situation, because Dean White, the director, something he's really good with is the use of, like, pinpointing specific lighting. Mm -hmm. He really wanted to use uh, flashlights, is what I'm guessing. So they just decided Ah. to make that scene at night. I don't know, but, like, we see a lot of use of flashlights. still happened that day? And we just don't know it? I think we're insinuating it was a weekend. Because Henry said that he was at the arcade. Huh. So that's so my guess. So no school and they just spent 10 hours. Apparently. In a hospital. I guess. Just looking at the wrong. Because also Henry says that when they meet up again in the forest, which is one of my favorite lines of kid, where is your mother? She's going to kill me. And then you. And then me again. I just love that line so much. It's a good one. 
He says that Regina dropped him off, then went right out again, which would insinuate he waited maybe not not too long before getting out of the house and off to find them well, in the woods. Well, here's the question then. What the fuck is Regina doing? What is she's, Regina doing? She's doing the thing of trying to find Catherine. But she shouldn't be that hard to find if she knows about the curse. I'm not telling you whether she knows about the curse or not. So, But you huh. sh- Damn it. <laughs> I sh- I'm not going to. This is a spoiler. This is, this is a spoiler free podcast in that I will not talk about anything going on further than we've already discussed. Man. So I'm sorry. That's I'm all just saying, Catherine can't be that hard to find. It's a small town. I know. It's a small town. But like she says, it's entirely possible for people to get lost here. It's big enough. That we don't yeah. we never we never get an actual population for Storybrooke. It's big enough. It's as many people that we have in books. <laughs> Pretty much. As much as as many fairytale characters and supporting players as we can possibly get. Yes. Cause I'm really excited because didn't I think I've seen that later on there will be like a frozen episode. Yeah, season four. There's a there's a frozen arc. Oh, arc. Okay. So you get where I'm coming with this one. It's I just love that we are getting like uh even if the princesses and the stories that were added on mm-hmm. still got a chance to yeah. be a part of it, which I think was really cool. Mm-hmm. The Frozen arc is one that um, I will not I will not give you too much about it other than uh, just kind of my general yeah, thoughts on it. At the time of airing, it aired at a, the earliest they could possibly do that arc. It aired uh, the fall of 2014 and Frozen came out 2013. Oh, um, wow. They did it the soonest they possibly could, which to me kind of felt a little bit like a view grab a money grab what have you like capitalizing on mm-hmm. this new franchise and how big it is which which soured me on it at my initial viewing but then i did a rewatch recently um and i watched it and i really just kind of watched it in context with the story kind of removing myself from like those those thoughts of they're just doing this for money and i really enjoyed it like the story i liked it did okay. for the characters it ha- they brought in one of my favorite guest stars that they've had for the entire show and I think it was just a really well done arc. It's like that's the the shocking thing, like the, the, that the uh, the twist that all of my my moderators like. I love this twist of you loving the frozen arc now. Like it's just what's happened. Um, so it'll be fun. It'll, I'm excited for you to get to that one for one very specific reason that I can't tell you. Okay, I know it's it's going to be a while until I yeah. get to it. I just mm-hmm. love that they were able to tie something in so quickly. Yeah. And keep it, instead of just old stories, it's mm-hmm. the new ones, too. Exactly. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about Henry's book. More fun facts of what you may or may not have known with CGI. The book The book is real. It's a prop. Oh, thank goodness. I was about to say, if you about to tell me that this book is CGI after the clock. The book, the physical book, is a physical book. The pages, not so much. So, um, the way... Because unless you have to see the, the text, because so, on, on this one, if you pause, you do see a thing that says like Snow's Hideaway, what have you. For the most part, the text on them is kind of random Grimm's fairy tales that they just kind of pulled and just put on there so that there's like, there's text on them. But the images, if you go back, if we go back and watch like bloopers that may show the book or like behind the scenes or deleted scenes or what have you that don't have all the CGI in, the images are predominantly just like a piece of green paper, basically green screen. Because think about it with the way that the things are filmed, the picture is meant to directly correlate with a scene or something that's like, it it goes from image straight into what happened, right? How did I not realize this? I didn't notice this. I didn't know this until recently. 
Um, so, but like, cause think about it. Like sometimes like they probably film, maybe they film the storybook scene before they film the picture that's going to go there. Stuff like that. So that way they can take the exact, the exact shot that they used and go forth. I'm still bitter about the clock. <laughs> it's a clock. One fun fact about the clock though, that I never actually, I, I've written down multiple times and keep forgetting to bring in because we keep going on for far too long. The 815, <laughs> the 815 originally that it was. Um, is both a reference to Flight 815 from Lost and Peter Pan. Oh, I like yeah. the Peter Pan one. Yeah. Well, they added the Peter Pan that they made when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget it. It's just Peter Pan. I don't have a way of telling you which one it is. Um, but that was like one of, oddly, one of my gay awakenings because I had a crush on Peter Pan, but I also had a crush on Wendy. Okay. So, but it's like the cutest one I think they've done. The 2003 one. Oh wow! It came out in 2003, and I thought it was phenomenal. But I huh. love so I love Peter Pan. I don't like the original, but I liked that one. And Hook. Okay. Hook is the only adaptation of Peter Pan that I like. Have you watched the one I just mentioned? I don't know if I have. It's on Netflix. Tell okay. me what you think. I will look it up. It came out in two. It's the one that came out in 2003. Okay. And I think they did a really good job. It's 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 done really well. Okay. It's, the, it's just Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. It's a story of Peter Pan. I went a little high on this one. I okay. really liked this episode. Nice. I gave it nine for character. Okay. Because I, I like everybody, but like, it's of course where the, 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 the bitch come from. Catherine. Yeah. She appeared from nowhere. <laughs> Catherine. Um, oh, Catherine. I have so many thoughts and I can't wait for you to get to other episodes. <laughs> Uh, personal, I gave nine. I really enjoyed this one. I think I really love that the storylines in both were the the way that it was just so cohesive. Yeah. Um, and plot eight because mm-hmm. that's what I gave it. So yeah, twenty six yeah. for the whole episode. Uh, okay. Not the highest I've given because I gave a lot higher last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but still higher than the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever go lower than I did with the mm-hmm. pilot because that one okay. only has like a twenty three. Yeah. Okay. You, you never know. There may be episodes that you just hate. That you're not wrong. I, I know for a fact I've got an episode coming up that I think I'm going to give maybe a whopping five for personal. Oh, I'm so excited to see the comparison for both yeah. of us. Here's the thing is, though, once we have enough episodes in, at least for me, the ones that have low personal rankings, the through line for them is going to become very apparent very quickly for my for my low personal scores. All right. So mine, this actually, so this is... Is this the highest ranked score so far? Hang on. I mean, it's a really good episode. It's a great episode, but hang on. Now, now I need to see if this one has the highest score. It does so far. Um, I gave this one an eight for plot. Similarly, like it's it's a good plot. I really enjoyed the storyline. and I know that it's the beginning of something that's really entertaining. Um, and then I gave it tens for character and tens for personal. This one has a it's 28. Got, like so many good characters in it. It does. This is This is just, this episode is... I love this episode. There's so much going on. Even if, even for Regina barely being in it, because um, I mean we know she's my favorite. But with so much, like with so much else going on, it's just a really well written story. I really like the reinvention of everything going on. It's got Snow and Charming being adorable, um, and I they're always adorable. Yeah, I love them. I have one more for you. Um, Emma wearing Regina's shirt during the episode. Oh yeah, I forgot about that for a second. Yeah, 
that one that was in, that, that was interesting yeah yeah the, the line of like is this, is this your mother's she she wouldn't even notice and then she just goes she noticed she noticed like enjoy my shirt because that's all you're getting like ma'am like that line alone is just like okay it's so good and like that's one that like the swan queen swan queen is the ship name that is the two of them yeah um uh that 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 that's become that's been dubbed the swan queen shirt we do actually see regina wear it once i believe in the second episode of season two um we do see her wear it at some point um i mean it is her shirt but it's just emma had to give it back exactly in theory she would have needed to at least pass that back through henry somehow um but this one if i shipped it in canon i'd be like this is this is the moment but like now i'm just like yeah, this is this is where people get this from. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Join us next time when we discuss Bob's Burgers episode season one, episode five, Hamburger Dinner Theater, and season one, episode six, Sheesh, Cab Bob. Don't forget to like, rate, and follow the podcast wherever you listen so you can be notified every time we publish a new episode. And follow us at OBDYK underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. This has been an episode of Okay, But Did You Know? a TV and media podcast. It was hosted by Lauren and Katie and edited by Lauren.